When we think about this week as Thursday is quickly approaching, I, I pray that we are beginning now. And it seems evident that we are already beginning to be to just praise God for what we what He's blessed us with. That we just think about all that we have to be thankful for. You know, we look when we think about just our lives only. You know, we have food, we have shelter, we have clothes, we have our families, we have our health, we have strength, have our resources, we have friends, we have loved ones. We've got so much to be thankful for. We have a wonderful church family. We have a wonderful facility. We, we, we have a God who sits high and looks low. We have a Savior who left the comfort of heaven to come to this sin-cursed world and to put on a robe of flesh and to identify with all that we go through. Scripture helps us to understand that. In Hebrews 4 and 15, it says that we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, we have a Savior that knows everything that we're going through. He understands everything that we're going through. He doesn't just have a head knowledge, but he has experienced himself struggles in this life. We should be thankful for a Savior who knows all about our struggles. For the songwriter said, Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. <laughs> no, not one. No, not one. When we look here in this passage today, in these just these three verses, we see we see that Paul he's given us instructions just on how to show our thankfulness. In these verses, the Bible teaches us in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it teaches us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, we thank you. We praise you for your presence here today. We thank you, we praise you for living inside of us. We thank you for what this season means. But God, we thank you for loving us each and every day of our lives. Now God, help us to always be mindful to praise and to thank you. To seek you and to look to you for all things. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now when we get to this place in this text, we want to... We want to see the proper context of what Paul is wanting us to understand. Paul is giving various exhortations. Uh, when we say exhortations, what we can really call them is encouraging instructions. Paul is handing out encouraging instructions for us. As a matter of fact, if you look from verses 12 through the end of the chapter, you'll find that's what Paul is sharing. Just some encouraging instructions. He's given us this in light of the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. 
Now, we don't know when that day is coming, but we as believers who have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know, is that not right? We know that that day is coming. So in light of the fact that the day of the Lord is coming, we should live our lives filled with rejoicing. As born-again believers, our lives should be filled with rejoicing. That's what Paul is saying here when he says to rejoice always. In other words, he's saying rejoice forevermore. We may, we may wonder how. How can we be expected to rejoice always with everything that this world throws at us? We have a church family here who, who was in this place yesterday afternoon because of a death of a son, death of a brother, death of a father. And, and we wonder how can we rejoice always when all of these difficult times are coming in all our lives. We all face difficult times. We all face circumstances that are just out of our control and they often overwhelm us. And, and it seems like it's in those times that we find that our enemy is doing everything he can to discourage and distract us. But if we keep our minds focused on the fact that God has saved us, that God cares for us, that he's promised to take the circumstances of this life, these circumstances that attack us, he's promised to make good out of them for us and for his glory. Romans 8 and 28 verifies that when he says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. You know, but along with this, you know, God's given us this, privilege, this glorious privilege of living in his presence, serving him for all eternity. Not only should we keep our focus on him because he saved us, but he's given us a hope that goes beyond this world. If we keep our minds on the glory that God has prepared for us, I think, I'm sure we will find ourselves rejoicing always. You know, one thing that didn't take me long to understand about this church when I come here as your pastor is that there are a lot of sports fans here. Oh, there's more than that. <laughs> uh, I'm not foolish. I remember when we had the softball league and, and get out there and the women were yelling louder than the men and, and it, it, it's just, it, we, the competitiveness is just built up within us. There are a lot of sports fans here. Some of you played sports while others is and forever will be enthusiastic spectators of sports. Uh, many of us, or should I say most of us who once played sports, we are now confined to being, at the very most, enthusiastic spectators of sports. You know, it's funny how time will change things, won't it? But as spectators of sports, we have a universal way of saying thank you to those who play for our favorite teams, especially when our favorite teams are winning. How do we thank them? We cheer them on. We cheer loudly. We cheer enthusiastically. Some even cheer hysterically. Yes, and some here cheer hysterically. When our favorite team wins, cheering becomes our way of rejoicing. 
Folks, if we can rejoice over sporting events, I'm talking about a sporting event that has no eternal value to us. How much more shouldn't we rejoice? How much more should we have services like we've been having today? Services to where we're just thanking God and rejoicing for all the blessings that he's done for us. If we're going to rejoice over a meaningless run that comes across the plate or over a meaningless basket that is made or over a meaningless touchdown that's been made, folks, I want to tell you, any little thing God has done for us, it has eternal value and we should be rejoicing greatly for those. And most of us can't even say who won the Super Bowl three years ago. We don't know unless it was our favorite team. But man, I can tell you what God did for me (laughs) back in 2000. I can tell you what he did for me back in 2001. I can tell you what he's done for me and you can tell me what he's done for you because it's worth rejoicing over. The Indian proverb tells us, it gives us a little instruction. It says, when you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. So live your life today in such a way to when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. And and I believe if we're praising God, if we're lifting him up and giving him thanks always for what he's done for us. If we're rejoicing always, we'll leave this world and we'll find ourselves rejoicing for all eternity. This happens when we have our focus on the eternal promises that God's given us. But folks, in this, we're not only to rejoice always or live our lives filled with rejoicing, but we're to live our lives filled with prayer. Here, the writer tells us, Paul, he lets us know that prayer is important, that we, that we should pray without ceasing. Prayer is God's ordained way for us to receive things from him. God moves, he acts, he responds to prayer. It's God's idea, it's his plan, it's his institution, that of prayer. Why? Why would God want us to pray without ceasing? Perhaps it's because prayer stirs up fellowship and and communion with God. And and it brings us into a greater knowledge and understanding of who he is. It's through prayer that we learn to trust God. And when we are truly learning to trust him, we, we find ourselves worshiping and praising him. Prayer is God's way for us to communicate with him. He communicates with us through his spirit, through prayer, and even through his word. But, but he, we get to communicate with him through prayer. Folks, God delights in us. And it's because of this he desires for us to be in constant communication with him. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. There's nothing about us that we have went through, that we're going through, or that we will ever go through that God already doesn't know. And you know what? God's already got it fixed. You know, he's already got it. He knows exactly what's going to take place. I, I'm convinced of this. He knows the moment I'm going to take my last breath. He knows where I'm going to be when I take it. He knows how I'm, going to, uh, how I'm going to react and how those who are around me will react. God knows my, my next doctor's appointment and what test results I get. He knows all of that. Then why the question becomes, if he knows all of these things, Why do we need to pray? I know that's on your minds. If nothing ever escapes him, what's the need 
for us to pray without ceasing? Well, it's simple. God desires us to be in constant fellowship and communion with him. That's the very reason he wants us praying to him. Yes, God has forgiven me of my sins, past, present, and future. I know that I've been forgiven. But God wants me to acknowledge my sin and talk with the one who's forgiven me of my sin about my sin. He wants me in communion with him. John MacArthur stated, perhaps the best way to illustrate the idea of ceaseless prayer is to compare it to breathing, inhaling and exhaling. It's so natural for us that it seems totally involuntary. It's actually harder to hold your breath than it is to breathe. The same should be said about prayer for Christians. Prayer is like breathing for us. And the natural thing for us to do is to commune with God. And when we don't pray, we're holding our breath spiritually, fighting against the very existence and the presence of God in our lives. Prayer should flow naturally and continually from our hearts. Oh, when Paul commands us to pray without ceasing, he doesn't expect us to walk around with our eyes closed. He don't expect us to be on our knees for an hour at the time, every time we pray. What he does mean, however, is that we should be in constant communion with God. Now that we understand his instructions, that we should live our lives filled with rejoicing and lives filled with prayer, he tells us that we are to live our lives filled with thankfulness. And you may be wondering, how can we be thankful in everything? We all face trials. We all have family members, a loved one who's been involved in accidents. Loved ones who've died I think we struggle often with what this actually means. What God means is, is to thank him. Not that they died, but thank you for his presence and power to help us walk through those times. I think it's for us to thank him for what he's given us. We focus on what's been taken away from us when we should focus on what has been given us. It's only then when we'll be able to fully thank him for the victories that we have in our lives. You know, Friday night and yesterday, I truly appreciated the words of Brother Henry Harris. He shared at the visitation as well here at the funeral for Tony that he told the family that he thanks God. And he told them to continue to thank God. Not to thank him for Tony's passing, but to thank God for the time that he was here with them. You know, I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm afraid we're all guilty of just getting so caught up in our own griefs and struggles. We get so caught up in our own circumstances that we don't see 
that we're not thanking God for the blessings that he's given us. We so often focus on on the things that is happening rather than the joy and the blessings of our Lord. Now, if you're thinking that this doesn't happen to Christians, why do we get ill? Why do we grumble and complain? Why do we get frustrated when we don't get our way? It's because we're finding ourselves struggling with our own faith. We're finding ourselves with our focus on something that it shouldn't be on. When we take our focus off the Lord and place it on the world, we stop thanking him for his presence in our lives. Now, I get this. There's some things that we go through in this life. It takes the presence of God just to allow us to breathe. It gets heavy. But God loves us so much that he is allowing us to breathe. And he is seeing us through the moments that are heavy. And it's worthy. He is so worthy to be thanked, to be praised, to be worshiped. You know what's ironic? Is that if we're not careful to rejoice always, if we're not careful to pray without ceasing, if we're not careful that in everything that we give thanks, the very thing that this world takes away from us will cause us to allow the world to pull on us and we'll fall back into the arms of the world. But if we're thanking God for all things, if we're praying without ceasing, if we're rejoicing always, we'll find ourselves not being conformed to this world, but being transformed into the image of God's son. Eleanor Dawn, speaker, she stated this in the speaker's source book. It's been said that giving thanks is a course from which we never graduate. Well, that makes sense to me. In other words, Paul said, I've learned to be content. And here he's telling us in everything to give thanks, it's a learned process. It doesn't happen the day you get saved. It happens when we rejoice always when we pray without ceasing, we find ourselves giving thanks in everything. She went on to say in this same speaker source book, she shares of a father trying not only to share his joy and express his gratitude, but he's trying to teach his daughter to do the same. So the father asks little Kathy, if she didn't want to thank God for sending her such a fine little baby brother, imagine his surprise when he heard her prayer. The prayer went like this. Thank you, dear God, for Jimmy. I'm really especially thankful 
that Jimmy wasn't twins like I heard the doctor say you might be. <laughs> but she was thankful in her little brother. In all things, we are to be thankful. I'm so glad Brother Marcus reminds us from up here, Sunday after Sunday, that coming around the altar or standing up isn't only about offering up prayer requests, but it's also a time where we can praise God, that we can thank him for what he has done. It's easy to be thankful when things are going well, but it's also easy to be neglectful when things are going well. We must become intentional in our walk with the Lord to be thankful in the midst of whatever our circumstances are, good or bad. And when we find ourselves in good or bad circumstances, those of us who've been born again, for that reason alone, We have the hope for a better day. And we have reason to be thankful. We have a hope that uh, we have a hope for a life when all things are made new. We have a hope for an eternity that's spent in a place where our joy will never be molested. I don't know why. This is my most difficult holiday. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm finding I'm not as thankful as I should be. Maybe. Maybe it's because it's the time when it's easy to take my eyes off of God and place them on the world. I seem to rejoice more around Easter because I know that's our time of hope. But I believe through this study, and maybe that's why I just had to preach it and I couldn't let it go and just turn you loose. Maybe it weren't for you, but it's for me. That is because of Easter, I can be thankful today. It's because of the hope that he's given me of a better day that today and this holiday can be much better than I've allowed it to be. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's troubling you. I don't know what's holding you. I don't know what it is that you're finding trouble thanking God for. But if we put our eyes on what Easter means, I'm not talking about the crucifixion. I'm talking about the resurrection. When we think about knowing that Though we may be laid in a tomb one day, though they may put dirt over us after they've closed that casket, though they may walk away and never think of me again, I know that I'm not going to be there. I'm going to already be with the Lord. Amen. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. We've got so much to be thankful for. You know, I, I'm so glad God gave me this to remind me. If it hasn't reminded you, thank you for being patient because it's reminded me that I've got so much to be thankful for. I understand it gets heavy, but God is carrying us into heavy times. I'm so glad he's no respecter of person. If he's carried Brother Gerald and Miss Janice, if he's carried Brother Roger, if he's carried Miss, <laughs> if he's carried Miss Joyce, if he's carried Brother Larry and Miss Lowe, if he's carried anyone, he'll carry me. And he'll carry you. Why not, whatever it is, why don't we just let it go? Let it go. As they begin to sing this song, why don't we, we just let it go and just be thankful. As they're singing this song, why don't we, why don't we just thank God and praise God for what he's done. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know that heaven's your home, why don't you just let whatever it is that's holding you back and call on Jesus and thank him for what he'll do he'll forgive you of your sins he'll wash you white as snow and he'll make you his and he'll be yours would you